Right now, Christians, conservatives, and freedom-loving Americans are being censored and abused by our cultural gatekeepers. Why? Because we don't fight back. Not anymore. Freedom of Creativity is a directory of creatives and businesses who value the American principle of freedom. If you've got talent, join Freedom of Creativity to connect with other like-minded creatives. You'll find creative projects to collab on and you can post your own dream project and recruit a team to make it happen. And if you're a business owner, list your company on Freedom of Creativity so we can build a directory of businesses that share our values. It is vital to speak with our wallets and sow into businesses that support freedom over censorship and cancel culture. Listeners, guys, you must take action to preserve the country you love. Founder Tim Columba needs your help. Freedom of creativity won't work unless people sign up and participate. Get listed and start rebuilding our culture today for free at freedomofcreativity.com. It's free to join and free to use, but if you upgrade and support Tim's fight for our culture as a fan of my show, the Rookie American Podcast, Tim is giving listeners 50% off for life when you use the promo code L-I-S-S-E-T-T-E. Join today at freedomofcreativity.com, spread the word, and reach out to Tim Columba on social media at Freedom of Creativity US, where you can also watch his amazing videos. If you don't start influencing our culture, who will? The culture is in your hands. Welcome to the Rookie Marican Podcast. I'm your girl, Lisa Carter. Thank you guys for tuning in. Today's episode is going to be about the original intent of abortion. This is going to be a tough, uh, a tough episode for me to get through. Just wanted to give you a heads up, uh, only because of a lot of the research that I did and some of it that we learned um, between, well, I've learned for a long time. Um, but just never really dug deep into getting the information. Um, and really what it comes down to is separating um, the issue from being political to just being about life or death at the end of the day. It's, it's a, politically, it is a hot topic. It has been for years uh, when it comes to um, the rewording of pro-abortion to woman's choice or um, pro-choice. And, you know, I had always been growing up, I'd always felt like I was some kind of a feminist, I guess you could say. I, I wanted, obviously we wanted to be equal. It's not like we've, I don't have today, I have the same rights as men. Um, and so I just, I wanted to dive deep into this. I had never really been pro-abortion and I'm going to say pro-abortion instead of pro-choice because there's a reason why they call it pro-choice. Um, but I didn't want to just go over the politicized aspect of abortion. I wanted to actually, as per usual, go into the deep aspects, so the root, like where where does this come from? Where does abortion come from? Where did the idea come from? Um, how did it come into the United States? stuff like that. And so I actually have a special guest that's going to be uh, joining me uh, later that I had invited. And I would love for you to hear from her as well. You'll, you'll, we'll never know that she, what she does exists. Um, but thank you guys for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys, um, your loyalty to the show. I want to start off with that. Um, and I'm just gonna, you know, dive right in. So what is abortion? What is it? Uh, so when you look back, uh, abortion is the ending of a pregnancy by removal or expulsion of an embryo or fetus before it can survive outside the uterus. An abortion that occurs without intervention is known as a miscarriage or a spontaneous abortion. When deliberate steps are taken to end a pregnancy, it is called induced abortion or less frequently, induced miscarriage. The unmodified word for abortion generally refers to an induced abortion. A similar procedure after the fetus has potential to survive outside the womb is known as a late termination of pregnancy or less accurately as a late term abortion. That is the uh, Wikipedia or Britannica or whatever uh, definition of abortion. Um, now, people usually put abortion and plant parenthood hand in hand because they have everything to do with each other. Plant parenthood was actually part of the um, 
spreading of abortion, I guess, in the United States. The woman who was responsible for abortion originally was Margaret Sanger. Um, in 1923, uh, she began uh, the American Birth Control League, uh, and it would go on to become Plant Parenthood Federation of America. Now, back in 2014, which is actually a fun fact, uh, Nancy Pelosi actually, who is a self-professed Catholic, which they put most politicians are, um, and current minority leader in the U.S. House of Representatives was given the Margaret Sanger Award. Now, we're going to find out who Margaret Sanger is because I had heard, the, the first time I actually heard about Margaret Sanger was um, when Hillary Clinton had received, I don't know if she had spoken at her funeral or she praised her, there was something about her that she had done or that she was mentored by her, something like that. I don't remember when, I don't know when she died. I don't have the, that information, but um, when I had looked into Margaret Sanger, I had heard that she was actually a eugenist, a eugenist. I think that's how you say it, where she wanted the white race to be completely pure. She didn't want it to be mixed in with any other race. And so she had a book um, that was called The Negro Project. And in the book, actually, this is according to USA Today, Planned Parenthood's founder, Margaret Sanger, must join the list, which is a list of um, people that we need to remove. Like, you know, they were removing statues of people that were racist. Well, she was one of the people that they claimed that they needed to remove because there's, there's actually a statue of her in Boston, I believe. Um, and she had promoted, she was the first to promote birth control, but also advance what was called the Negro Project, which is an autobiography of hers, uh, where she was speaking to the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan, um, and advocated for a eugenics approach to breeding for, quote, the gradual suppression, elimination, and eventual extinction of defective stocks, those human weeds which threaten the blooming of the finest flowers of American civilization. And it goes on to say, Sanger's Planned Parenthood mission, in 1939 letter to Dr. C.J. Gamble, Sanger urged him to get over his reluctance to hire a full-time Negro physician as the colored Negroes can get closer to their own members and more or less lay their cards on the table, which means their ignorance, superstitions, and doubt. Like the abortion lobby today, Sanger urged Dr. Gamble to enlist the help of spiritual leaders to justify their deadly work, writing, we do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population, and the minister is the man who can straighten out that idea. If it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members, listen to that. We do not want word to get out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. Why? Because in those days, it was socially unacceptable to now lynch Black people or minorities for being Black. It's un unacceptable to do that. So in her mind, what is the best way to get rid of that that can end up being socially acceptable without anybody really disguising it as something else? And we'll, head, we'll get to that. Um, so it was kind of like modern day lynching. And when you think about it, I remember somebody telling me this years ago, maybe like 15 years ago, that the only place that you've ever seen a Planned Parenthood is in the cities. You've never seen a Planned Parenthood in the suburbs, which is 100% true. Another thing is I've seen videos of like, you can go on TikTok and find these, uh, which is pretty interesting. Or you can call yourself, um, you know, a lot of people advocate Planned Parenthood for being, um, you know, a uh, provider for pregnant women, you know, they have other services, in addition to abortion, they're not just an abortion clinic. Um, and we see that um, when you call Planned Parenthood, they don't have stuff like 
the services that you would need like to carry out a pregnancy like they don't do your monthly because you know when you're pregnant you get you have a monthly um appointment to go to where they check they do the update on the baby they update all that stuff they don't do that there they're so they're a they're an abortion like that's their bread and butter and when if you watch the movie unplanned um which is a movie about a girl who had a few abortions uh when she was young and then she ended up working for planned parenthood and she was like one of the top like her her thing was to sell abortions uh really and um she was one of the top people there and what ended up happening was that she ended up getting to know corporate and how disturbing the, you know, how it was to work in that it was like a toxic environment, which have been proven that it has been a toxic environment specifically for black people that work with Planned Parenthood. There's nowhere to go. Like they, they don't, there's a ceiling there and there's a reason why. Um, and in the movie Unplanned, uh, there's a part in the movie where she actually, she has never seen a procedure done and she actually goes to see a procedure being done and she loses it because she realizes, wait, you know, I, I've sold so many abortions. I, she was like one of the top people in the nation to do so and her heart turned. Um, she realized that she really, life does begin at conception. And um, one of the doctors was making light of, the surgery um, that was happening. And she just, she lost it. So, you know, one of the things that I had noticed in um, that when like living in the city and living in the suburbs is that Planned Parenthood is promoted in the city. They're promoted, you know, all over as, you know, make sure you have protection. They would give out back in the day, they would give out free condoms. you know, they would, I'm, I'm not sure if they would do any kind of other procedures, you know, for sterilization. I don't know that. I just know that they do, they're big on abortions, on educating women on abortions and having them done. Um, so knowing that they, they're in the hood, basically, because that's where most minorities live, uh, and me having lived in the city, that to me was alarming. I was like, what, what are we doing here? Like, what, they're only in the city. Is this true? And reading this about Margaret Sanger really does put things into perspective uh, when it comes to um, abortion. And you know what? What was? What? Why was it acceptable? You know how? How did it become normalized in the United States? Because I can imagine this woman had gone through a lot of controversial issues. Uh, when it comes to, you know, the birth, not only birth control, but also abortion. Um, Now, Margaret Sanger originally was from um, New York. She was an American uh, birth control activist, sex educator, writer, and nurse. She was actually a nurse. Sanger popularized the term birth control, opened the first birth control clinic in the United States, and established organizations that involved Planned Parenthood Federation of America. Now, she had began to flip her idea of extinction of Negroes, quote unquote, from that to the reproductive right movement. And a really good resource um, that I've seen recently is the new Roe versus Wade movie, um, where they discuss really in the movie, it's the movie is about His name is Dr. Bernard Nathanson, a pioneering abortion provider from the 1960s who later became an anti-abortion campaigner. Um, Now, Dr. Nathanson, this this movie is basically him narrating, not the real doctor, but an actor narrating his... uh, his journey or his story from the time in the 1960s of him adopting new ways of aborting um, of abortion from other countries, bringing it to the United States so that they're fast and efficient. And so the, at the time um, when Roe versus Wade was happening in the 1960s, they, they very much hijacked because they, they constantly talk about in the movie, like, listen, don't forget that 
the reason why we're doing this is to get rid of minorities that they say that, um, but they are able to get the author of La Femme Mystique, who is like a prominent feminist back then, um, on board with saying, okay, we, we want to make abortion available for everybody. We want to make it available on demand and we need you uh, to create an uprising with your feminist following in order to do that. And so they were able, they were able to get a lot of movement with this law by falsifying a lot of information. And so a lot of the things that they talked about in the movie and also that you can find online is that there were Supreme Court justices at the time, I believe it was Nixon had to pick two um, and they were praying that the, the two would be conservatives. And so the first time that um, that law had, um, the Supreme Court justices had voted on the law, um, they actually lost um, where they were going to see it through. And they had spoken about how the movement was so big for twisting it from um, uh, getting rid of Negroes to the feminist movement, the feminists just kind of like hijacked it and made it into this huge thing, this huge idea. And there's literally a clip in there, which I wish I could play. Um, I, I, for some reason I couldn't get it to play, but there's a clip on there where they talk about, um, you know, what, how can we spin this so that, um, it can look good. And the lady literally says, or I think it was the idea of one of the gentlemen, he was like, you know, why don't we just make it like, you know, like pro-choice, you know, like, let's just make it a a pro-choice, pro-America, pro-feminist, you know, pro-movement and make it sound really good. And they were able to take that and literally run with it. And it was a lie. And the doctor, Dr. Nathanson actually admitted that he lied completely about the statistics of abortion, that um, 60% of of Americans were in favor of abortion and they were not. This is like to the Washington Post um, that out of a million abortions that happen a year, 10,000 are back alley abortions. And those abortions, um, the, the women die mind you, um, they, they would pick up these stats and they would put them in the reports. And not only would they do that, but they would also take, uh, <laughs> this is, this is kind of crazy. Like what it, it kind of, it's kind of like, I feel like what people do now is that they would take these ideas and put them in, in every outlet that you could find. So like they would put them in TV, they would put them on the golden girls. They would put them on you know, they would pay the actors $10,000 to, you know, have a script written about being pro-choice. It was like that. And they would say, you know, if you keep repeating the lie enough, people will start to believe it. And the argument with Roe versus Wade was, does the Bill of Rights allow women to kill her unborn child? Or when does the fetus become a life? at conception. And so that, that is the argument. Does the, does the fetus have protection under the bill of rights in the United States to prevent that from happening? And so in the seventies, there was also before this, prior to the seventies, there was an ultrasound. And so they couldn't really see um, with precision, you know, what was going on down there as they were doing the surgeries. And there was a doctor who was the first black doctor to graduate from Harvard Med, um, who had taken on the pro-life uh, stance, who had fought against this. And she knew statistically um, with factual data that the abortions were, a lot of the abortions were making the women sterile um, because they didn't have, you know, that they, it's just, they were saying that back alley abortions were dangerous, but really every abortion is very dangerous because there's a lot of side effects, not only physically, but also spiritually as well. And so, you know, she wanted to um, take a stance on being pro-life and she had approached the doctor and said, you know, that this is, this is wrong. You know, that, you know, um, this is dangerous for any woman that, that does them. 
And the doctor um, had ended up doing about 70,000 abortions, including one of his own, where his girlfriend had gotten pregnant. And he, he ended up aborting his own child. Um, there's 61 million babies aborted. Uh, and 40% are African American. Dr. Mildred Jefferson was the name of the woman who was um, responsible for being on that pro-life stance against Nathanson. Um, and they actually admitted that um, Soros, Gates, and Buffett were actually involved in um, the pro-choice movement as well, because you need the money needs to come from somewhere in order to spread this message that this is actually a good thing, kind of like what's happening now, right? So towards the end of Dr. Nathanson's career, he realized that he had a, he had a massive uh, awakening um, that 10 weeks uh, after you find out you're pregnant, that your baby will feel pain. And 18 days before you miss your period, you can hear the heartbeat. And so knowing those stats, um, this doctor did a complete turnaround and repented and became a pro-life um, campaigner because he realized that it's not just a clump of cells, which is what many feminists argue. Um, it's just a clump of cells to get rid of. Um, he realized that, no, there's a heartbeat. That is a person that you are exterminating, uh, essentially. And so what's interesting is that abortion, you know, there are different types of abortion. There is the vacuum aspiration um, that you have in the beginning, which is 12 to 13 weeks uh, in your pregnancy. Your sec you have a, if you're a second trimester abortion, dilation and evacuation, that's like more than 12 weeks. Um, and then you have your late term abortion, which is dilation and extraction. And it's gonna, it's interesting that a few years ago, um, they, these guys had mentioned, if you can get New York on board to do anything, you can get the entire nation to fall. And what's interesting last year, um, the governor of New York, not last year, a few years ago, the governor of New York had passed a late term abortion bill where you could hear you you could have a baby at nine months and then decide that you don't want the child anymore and they would make it comfortable which means like it would cry itself to death the supreme court justices of that time in the 1960s for roe uh, versus wade actually were getting a lot of pressure not only from the media, but also they were getting a lot of, and there was also a lot of internal things that were happening that um, was reported in that movie uh, in Roe versus Wade, where a, the feminist movement was so big that the family members of the justices um, were volunteering at Planned Parenthood and they were pressuring them to vote pro-choice. They were pressuring them to vote a certain way. And so um, that's how the, the law had gotten passed, um, where they made abortion legal. Now, when it comes to Roe versus Wade, Roe is the name of the woman. They would call her Jane Roe, but her name is Norma McCorvey, I believe. And what they managed to do with her is just kind of use her and say, we, you know, she was on drugs. She was a drug addict. Um, she just wants to get an abortion. She has like a ninth grade education. Let's just use her so we can get this law passed. The reason why they used Jane Roe was so that the media couldn't look her up. And she actually never had an abortion. So when people talk about Roe versus Wade, they're talking about the case where they actually made abortion legal. But when they look up Roe, Jane Roe, you can't find anything on her because her real name is Norma McCorvey. And she actually ended up having the kid. So, and she actually ended up being pro-life. Um, she found out in 1995, I believe she was on her deathbed and she told the truth that um, about what really happened with Roe versus Wade. 
why didn't that information become public? Why didn't that information, um, you know, spread like wildfire? So here's what we know. We know that the original intent of abortion was to get rid of minorities. We know that the feminist movement picked it up and ran with it as a woman's right to choose. And the people that were involved in this law passing, including Dr. Nathanson, admitted that they lied or that they were used. And so knowing this information and also knowing what my personal encounters with abortion, I've never had an abortion. I know people that have had abortions. I remember being in a rotation when I was in nursing school. Um, I came for the summer from Puerto Rico to work at a, um, an internship in New York. And I remember um, doing a rotation in the recovery room. And in the recovery room, there were women in there that had a orrape, which means like they, they had abortions. And um, I remember the nurses completely ignoring them. They, in the recovery room, they like really didn't care to care for them, which is obviously illegal. Um, but what was interesting, that was every woman that had come out of that recovery room immediately when she woke up, she would just start crying. And it made me feel, no matter how I felt about it, it made me feel compassion for them because I was just like, you know, these women are completely, first of all, you're, you're it's illegal what you're doing. You have to give them care. Um, but it just made me want to sit with them and hold their hand and just tell them everything was going to be okay without really knowing is everything going to be okay for this person? Because there's a lot of consequences that come with um, having an abortion and spiritual consequences with that. And I've, I've actually, when you think about it, I've actually never heard someone say, um, this kid, man, is getting on my nerves. I wish I would have had an abortion. <laughs> like you just, you just don't hear that. I, what I normally hear is I, hear, I had an abortion and it really, it really ruined me. It, like it really ruined me. And knowing the information that, you know, especially being a Christian, that life begins, like the, the scripture says, I believe it's in Jeremiah, you know, I knew you before I formed you in the womb. It makes you think about, okay, we, we, there's so many people trying to get pregnant out there. Is that really our doing <laughs> that, you know, when, when we have kids, obviously there's an action that takes place, but um, that's a, that's a life that God breathed into the womb. And as a Christian, you've got to actually think about, you know, there's a, there's a lot of Christians that I've spoken to where they're like, you know, I, I believe in, I don't believe in abortion myself. I'm pro-life. I believe that everybody has kind of like a libertarian view. I believe that people have um, their choice to do whatever they want. They can choose to have an abortion. They can choose to get drunk. They can choose to get high. They can do whatever they want. They, they have the right to choose that for themselves, which is true. Um, but to what extent do we leave that up to the government or, you know, what, to what extent, you know, because a lot of, <laughs> there was this one woman who had told me, you know, Planned Parenthood doesn't take, um, you know, they don't take taxpayer money. Well, they do. They, they, you know, where they fund abortions with taxpayer money that like, that's your money that they're doing. Are, are we responsible for that blood? Are we responsible? You know, if someone's irresponsible, why, what makes us responsible if somebody is irresponsible and why isn't the advocate, why aren't people advocating for adoption instead of abortion? What is this obsession with being pro-choice and pro-feminist and pro-woman body, my, like my body, my choice, 
what is the obsession with that? I just find it really odd, especially in 2021, us women having the same rights as all men. We can make as much money as we want. I know people talk about, you know, the salaries are different, but the vocations are different. We're better, we're, we're wired to be better at different things and men are wired to be better at different things. So therefore the vocations of the pay is different. But if we wanted to go out and make a million dollars, we could. It's not like anybody is stopping us to do that. You know what I mean? Um, nobody is stopping me from ruining my body or bettering my body. Nobody is stopping me from from doing those things. And I feel like there's just a spirit of like anger and just an evil spirit that when you look at the feminist movements of today, I mean, I don't mean like from before where it was like, you know, women, you know, need to vote <laughs> like that's that I understand. But the feminist movements that are happening today that are anti-man, they hate men um, or, you know, they they hate babies. You know, they they are they're pro-choice. Um, it's just so interesting you know, what, why are they so angry? Like <laughs> what happened? Uh, and a lot of, you know, a lot of people have gone through very traumatic things. And I hope, I know I've gone through very traumatic things, but you can choose to grow from those things, or you can tr- choose to be angry about them and decide to join a movement. And I don't mean like every feminist is like this. I just mean, um, it's just, just the extreme ones are, you know, it's insane. And we've actually encountered um, this in the public school system where they have been able to talk about the benefits of being pro-choice um, in, in our own public school system. And it breaks my heart that the devil has been able to come into our own home and warp the minds of the people that we love the most that makes any sense no matter how much we teach and train them the public school system has found a way to gain the trust of the students and to have them turn away from christianity and laugh at christianity and laugh at anything conservative or um, laugh at anything um what's the word modest or you, you know what i mean and It's, it breaks my heart to know that these decisions, and it's, I feel like that's kind of like what the the justices went through, the conservative justices, where the people in their own home were going to uh, volunteer at Planned Parenthood, and these guys were pro-life, and how much that affected not only their decisions, but also the nation's uh, laws. And so you've got to really think about, um, yes, you know, you're, you have the right to do these things, but listen, you also have, you also have the right to not have sex and you also have the right to use protection. If you decide to have sex, um, I, I firmly believe personally that when it comes to abortion, that, um, and people have said this before that, you know, what about incest or rape or anything like that? You know, they should have the right to choose whether they should have an abortion. But what's interesting is that I've actually seen people who have been um, conceived out of rape and they're so thankful that they were. And to me personally, as holy as I try to see things scripturally, um, you know, if God's going to give life, any kind of life, any any kind of life through any way, who am I to say, yes, get rid of, you know, if if you have a disability, yes, yes, you have the right to have an abortion. I mean, Beethoven, wasn't he like disabled? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what if they had that technology back then where, you know, they have the technology now where you can see if your child has any kind of abnormalities and you have, they give you the choice of whether or not you want to terminate the pregnancy. You know, what if that would have happened to Beethoven's parents? They would have been like, you want to see this kid? You know what I'm saying? So it's just, it's just interesting to see um, the warped turn that the United States has taken 
on abortion. And I accredit that to the devil, to be honest. I mean, that's death. The John 10, 10 says, I came to, I came to bring life and life more abundantly. And the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. It says it all in one scripture in one line. And so you've got to know when these issues come up, what side are you on as a Christian? Are you on the death side, you know, disguised as choice? You've been lied to. You've been lied to. We've all been lied to. It's not a choice. It's it's not being pro-choice. We have the choice to do whatever we want right now. You know, and there are many people that have had children, including close people that I know that weren't, that were surprises. And they're probably the best thing that ever happened to them. It straightened them out. It taught them how to love something other than themselves. You know, it, it showed them, it, sh- it showed them a straighter path. And so, you know, I've never heard anybody say, I wish I, <laughs> I wish I would have had an abortion. I've never heard anybody say that. And it brings me to believe that you've got to have the first option in America has to be adoption. And why isn't that a thing? Why isn't adoption so much easier than it is right now? Um, it just warps my mind. It just, it's just so crazy. So this wasn't a fun-filled um, podcast, <laughs> but I just wanted to tell you that I wanted to tell you the truth about abortion and the lies that we've been hearing from the media, from the schools, from the movies, from the TV, from they've orchestrated all of this. They've literally paid these guys to say, hey, put this in your script to normalize these things so that we can learn to vote a certain way at the end of the day. Um, And I'm going to uh, introduce my guest. She is, her name is Jalisa Bell. She's the founder of Exhale Post-Abortion Healing. Um, She's a counselor uh, for grief, you know, for post-abortion grief counselor. And so this is my interview with her. Um, Welcome, uh, Jalisa Bell, to the podcast. Now, your company is called Exhale, but you are changing the name, correct? Yeah, I'll be changing it soon to, um, I'm praying about it. I'm praying for God to place a name in my heart, but um, that, that name will be changed soon. Okay, so just until the name is changed, um, we can we can tell everybody where to contact you directly because we want to make mm-hmm. sure that the information is um, correct as to where mm-hmm. to contact you. Now, tell me a little bit about your company. Okay, so I am a clinician. I'm a therapist, and I have a mental health background, and I specialize working with women who have had abortion. So I work with women who are uh, experiencing post-abortion stress syndrome. Um, and that is not in the DSM. It's not recognized in the DSM, but it is a form of PTSD. So that's where the mental health piece comes in. Um, so it's really just about women who they are, they have experienced negative responses to an abortion experience. Um, it's not talked about a lot. You can't really go on the internet and find a lot of articles um, that discuss that, but it, it is real and it is happening. And women do want to be able to process those thoughts and feelings and they want to be able to um, talk about it. And so that's basically what I do. I just, I work with women who, um, may be experiencing some PTSD after an abortion. Now, why did you decide to start your company? Um, it was something I wanted to do maybe six, seven years ago it was something that was placed in my heart and something that really resonated with me. I know a lot of people who have had abortions who, um, just, it just wasn't the best experience for them. And I started doing my own personal research research on the symptoms and the behaviors that they uh, were kind of bringing to my attention. And me already being a therapist and already working with a population of uh, clients who experience PTSD, a lot of the symptoms really resonated with PTSD. So I started doing more information, um, more research on post-abortion stress syndrome, or even if there was a name, you know, what, it, what is there, is there a name to this? Um, because women are coming to me and they're telling me about these emotional, psychological changes, behavioral changes. Um, so that's when I realized that very similar to PTSD, started asking a lot of more questions to other people who may um, have experience in this field or just any experience with an abortion. Um, and so that just really drew, drew me to it because it's just a population that people don't, um, 
it's a population that people don't really pay much attention to. They're kind of like outcasts. Uh, you don't assume that a woman who made a decision to have an abortion would have any um, would have any guilt or regret. Um, so it's just something that just kind of came to me. I can't really, it's just something that came to me, something I've wanted to do for a long time until I just decided that I was going to go ahead and start working with these women. Now, from my experience with therapy, I remember going through the same things as, you know, being in college, going through the same things. It's my daughter <laughs> as, um, <laughs> as, um, you know, having childhood trauma and I, I've never had an abortion, but my experience with therapy, I've, I had the same childhood trauma as a friend of mine in college. And she went to a therapist um, that was not a Christian. And I was mm -hmm. fortunate enough to go to a therapist who was a Christian. And I found that I was uh, healed long-term or I, they gave me the tools. My therapist had given me the tools in scripture to be able to overcome those things long-term. And my friend, on the other hand, who had gone to a non-Christian therapist is still going to therapy today uh, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. of, because of the difference of that. So I know that you include um, Jesus into your sessions. How important that is that uh, for you? Was your friend a Christian as well? She was not, no. Okay. So I think that plays a role in it. You know, if somebody's not a Christian and they go to a Christian counselor, um, if they're not able to kind of resonate with that, that spirituality piece, then it, it wouldn't be beneficial for them. Um, I know for me, I'm a Christian, so I, I need scripture combined in my, if I were to go see a therapy, I would like to see a Christian therapist. Um, I have a faith-based curriculum and then a non-faith-based curriculum because not every woman that comes to me wants to, um, not every woman wants that, that spirituality background, if that makes sense. Um, a lot of women who do come to me, they do have a religious background and surprisingly, they don't want to start there. They want to be able to process their thoughts and feelings as if they are just in a, you know, a therapy session and they're just kind of talking about some um, past history trauma, basically. Um, when we eventually get to a place where they have processed their thoughts and their feelings, then they, they may ask if we can start talking more about scripture and kind of resonating and meditating on scriptures and things like that. Um, but for the most part, I think what people don't understand is that, you know, abortion healing is very complex. So um, as Christians, Christians don't believe abortion is okay. So if you're coming in and you're a Christian and you believe that you made a bad decision and you, it's a transgression, um, we, we got to carry that. So they're carrying that too. They're carrying that heavyweight as well. Um, so they want to, they got to get through their own personal stuff around the decision to make it, to have an abortion before they are ready to get face-to-face -face with God and start doing that work, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Is that the foundation of my business, even if I don't work with someone who doesn't want the faith-based um, curriculum, my business, the foundation is Galatians 6, 1 through 3. So it is, you know, if you have basically someone comes to you and they're caught in transgression or they're going through something, you know, you don't, you don't judge them. You, you forgive them and you humbly and gently uh, re, re, um, restore them and you carry that burden with them and you forgive them. So the, the foundation of the business is Galatians 6, 1, 3. So at the end of the day, Jesus is there always 100%. Um, and I think just sitting with someone who, you know, have a background as a Christian or a religious um, aspect, I think that's enough for someone to even consider even wanting to know more about Jesus in their session. I, as a Christian, I believe that Christianity is a lifestyle. I believe that it's an attitude. Um, we could sit and throw scriptures at someone all day, but you really draw people close by how you live your life. And right. as a therapist and sitting down with my clients, I don't talk about God with all my clients, but for some reason they can sense something about me that eventually they want to ask me questions about God and religious. And that's happened more than on more than one occasion. Um, a lot of women in the church have had abortions and there are not a lot of ministries in the church for that healing. 
Um, I've had churches kind of turn me down when I've asked if we can start a ministry for women who've had abortions. Um, My ministry is not in a church. My ministry is out in the community. My ministry is out in the community and people hear about me through word and mouth and then they connect with me. But I don't work with anyone in the church, but a lot of the women that I do work with, they happen to be Christians or they have some other form of religious background. Wow. That blows my mind a little bit um, regarding the church. Um, Now, where can you be found? I know you said you're changing the name. So the website name is wouldn't help, but where do you have an email? Do you have social media? Where can people find you? The website name would help. I wouldn't change. I I don't think I'm going to change the website, Um, but they can definitely go to my website. Definitely go to my website. If they want to connect with me, there's a contact form. Um, I do a 30 minute free consultation with a small, short um, clip or presentation of what post-abortion stress syndrome is just to give whoever may be interested a better, a better idea of what actually is sometimes putting the label to it kind of helps you understand what you're going through if you just think that you're driving yourself crazy and you you never heard of post-abortion stress syndrome and you don't know anyone else who have made who may have be who may have beat I can't talk this morning sorry um who may have also experienced those same negative responses after abortion you would think something's wrong with you like um am I not normal so it really helps the women and I work with men too if men, you know, you'll be surprised how a man who has a spouse who had an abortion, how that affects him as well. Um, they don't talk about it much, but it it, it is real. Mm -hmm. Um, so the presentation just gives them a little bit more information about what post-abortion stress syndrome is. Um, and it helps them resonate with any of their behavioral or emotional changes. And, um, and then we just go from there if they want to continue to work with me. But I will say that at the end of the day, um, I'm really concerned with the mental health piece. And and that is where we start. We start with the mental health piece. And if they want to get into the spirituality, then we we have a a section for that as well. What is the name of the website? The website is um, exhalepostabortionhealing.weebly.com. You guys write that down, share it uh, with anyone that Mm -hmm. you may think it may help. Uh, Jalisa, thank you so much for following uh, the instructions that God has put upon your heart. That is going to help a lot of people that are in a quiet desperation uh, for some kind of help when it comes to uh, post-abortion mental health. So thank you for what you're doing. Yeah. What I will say is is the feedback that I do get um, is... I think it's just really nice being able to turn their silence into a story mm. and you know storytelling is healing within itself mm. there's authors who have wrote their autobiography and say like that was therapy for me so being able to finally talk about it and that's why I named my business exhale because you were finally getting it out you were holding it in for so long that you finally get it out and um, having those feelings validated because a lot of women who have had abortions a lot of people just say just let it go forget about it it's done and, and their feelings are not being validated, they're being dismissed. So being able to sit with someone and, and have those feelings validated have been very comforting for a lot of my clients. And, and that's just the feedback that they've kind of reported to me as we work together. Wow. Well, thank you again. Um, make sure you reach out to Jalisa and uh, her website and share as much as you can, as I had mentioned before. But thank you, girl, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you, you for having me. I wish we had a little bit more time. <laughs> I know, but it's all good. People got, they, we got to the point and this is what they need to hear. And um, this will definitely help hopefully many people across the nation. So thank you again. Thank you. All right. So I'm going to have Jalisa on in the next month or so um, to do a full interview on more details. So make sure uh, you guys uh, look out for that as well. Now, listen, if you have, um, have ever had an abortion you know, this obviously isn't to make you feel bad about that or to judge you on that. Um, I want you to know that there is healing, um, you know, reach out to Jalisa, um, for, um, the healing that you need that does take time, but I do want you to know that there's a salvation that comes with that and that Jesus can wipe that sin away. 
um, Jesus can heal you spiritually and make you a new creation in Christ, um, even though that happened, you know, whether it was something that you didn't really want to happen, or maybe you were gung-ho about, um, I want you to know that if you are hurting those, it's okay, you know, Jesus can forgive that sin, and you can go to heaven. If you die tomorrow, if something happens to you tomorrow and you pass away, you have to be 100% sure that you're going to heaven and that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior into your heart. And know that when you read the Bible and you get to know him, when you start transforming your mind little by little, as you read the scripture and as you learn to pray, that transforming your mind is a process, but the moment that you accept him into your heart, you immediately are wiped clean of that sin. And you don't have to look back anymore. You don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to have the shame anymore of having an abortion. Um, so if that's you and you want to um, repent of your um, sin or your sins um, in general, and you do want to come to Christ and you do want to get to know the Lord and you want to tell the Lord, I messed up, um, you can do that right now. I want you to know that your baby is waiting for you in heaven. And um, Jesus forgives you for it. And your baby forgives you for it. And you will get to heaven and you will name him or her. And you will be able to raise it still. So until then, Jesus has got him or her. Um, and you're a new creation in Christ. I'll pray with you real quick. Say this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the life that you've given me. I repent of all of my sins. And I accept you into my heart as my Lord and Savior. I thank you for creating a new heart in me, Lord. And I thank you for dying on the cross for me and being raised three days after, Lord. I thank you for allowing me to become, to, I thank you for dying for me on the cross. I accept you into my heart as my Lord and Savior. And today I am a new Christian. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Welcome to the family. <laughs> know that it's a process, um, but if you die tomorrow, you'll be right going right to heaven. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, this wasn't an easy message to talk about, um, but make sure you go see those two movies. I have a, a lot of other resources like this Margaret Sanger's um, autobiography. I honestly didn't want to read all that. Um, but <laughs> you can also look up Silent Scream um, by Dr. Nathanson and uh, Unplanned and Roe versus Wade just to get the truth going. Um, so you can tell others um, about what's really going on. It's not about choice. It's about evil and um, getting rid of <laughs> getting rid of a lot of uh, minorities like me, uh, Blacks as well. So Thank you, Julissa, for coming on. I appreciate you and have a blessed day.